The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by CEO, entrepreneur, and sought-after communication strategist, Lee Carraher. Lee, I'm excited to host you for a return visit to the show. Hemda, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Well, this is exciting, given that your new book is coming out. And yes. The, the first time you were on Turn the Page, you shared wisdom from your book, Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. And this time, we're going to talk about your new book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. And I just want to share a little bit about your frame of reference before we jump into the concept of the boomerang principle. So I know that both books, of course, draw on the revolutionary insights you've gained in running your own PR and social media agency, Double Forte, since mm-hmm. 2002. Yes. And through that work, you've developed not just a national, but also a global perspective on how to create high-performance intergenerational work teams. That is my whole my whole plan in life, is to help oh, people do that. I'm glad that I captured it then. <laughs> and so my question to you as we're starting is, how did you go from writing about the topic of creating a work culture in which millennials can thrive to focusing on inspiring lifetime employee loyalty in your most recent book, The Boomerang Principle? I think the one thing um, that I heard over and over and over again um, around the work of my first book was the complaint of millennials aren't loyal, millennials aren't, you know, they're just, I'm not going to put any time into them, they're just going to leave me anyway. And really that is such the, you know, it's just the opposite of what has to happen. Of course, millennials don't have the same um, a definition of loyalty that uh, their boomer parents did. Um, they've been conditioned not to stay at a job for forever and ever, like uh, I, my generation thought we were going to. So the, there is a definitely a, def, a generational divide on what the definition of, of work time loyalty is. At the same time, um, we know when we hire someone that they're going to leave us. So if we stop worrying about that and start worrying instead about how to make it the best um, place to be while they're with us, um, one, people stay with us longer, and two, when they're gone, they stay loyal to um, the companies and the people at the companies for a long time. And if you can have that long that long um, vision for a person's value, I guess, to a company that is not determined by tenure – but by the relationship, then it is such a strategic advantage um, for your business. So it's really, 
it, you know, from one book to the next, it was sort of, uh, a, a, you know, a, a puddle jump from one to the next based on the feedback that I got. And, and then my own, um, how I have my own company um, uh, allowed and encouraged people to return to us after they've left. It makes sense because it seems like a lot of the focus of what you do really is you develop incredible relationships mm-hmm. with people. And of course, there needs to be a, a fit and alignment in terms of the culture and yeah. and the skill sets. Well, I think that's, you ha- You know, some people, I've said this, uh, given them the principle, they're like, well, that means, you know, you don't have a high standard of work. I said, that's absolutely untrue. I have a very high standard of work. Uh, you, do, you know, you can't let your your standard of work go down just because you want to keep people in the fold longer. (laughs) You actually keep people in the fold longer if you have a higher standard of work um, than a lower standard. And um, the, if you are, you know, the business has a goal, the business has a function, the business has to return something, right? You, you don't, you know, no margin, no mission, no margin, no business at the same time. Um, when things are when things go smoothly when when people are you know actually keep you close to their close to their heart or top of mind as a business or as a person in a business you have you know things are just so much easier such a strategic advantage lee what are the ways that you encourage people to return in your organization yeah well first i never counter anybody I, you know, when people come into my office, it, de- it doesn't happen anymore because they know I don't do it, but I never counter anybody. So if someone comes in and says, you know, I'm going to leave, are you going to counter me? I'm like, no, I'm not going to counter you, but good luck. How can I help you have a good, you know, transition out of here? Please, you know, blah, blah, blah. So one, that's the first thing. Two is to honor that desire to move on to do have a different experience. Um, three is to say it out loud from the when people show up, I, I tell them, I want this experience at Double Forte to be so important to you. You'll be proud to have it on your resume. And when you leave here, you will think of us and you will come back. I mean, I say that from the beginning. Um, at the same time, we're a small company. There's no company that can provide every experience that, that someone might want over a course of a career. So um, having a, a thought process around um, a person is going to be uh, valuable to us and we're going to be valuable to them. That's the best relationship to have with an employee. Um, maybe multiple times over their whole career, but maybe not continuously because we can't offer every experience that we find valuable in employees. Do you find that you're surprised when employees come to you and say that they're planning to transition to another opportunity? Because the reason I'm asking is because it sounds as though you have very candid conversations and supportive conversations with your employees. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I'm not surprised because we've had a conversation. We have we're very um, per- personal development. The responsibility of an employee to carve their own career. Not, it's not the job of the em- of the bo- of the company to give you a career. It's your job of the person to create a career. Um, you know, that is a very present conversation for all of us at, at my companies. It has been at all of my companies that I've ever worked at. Um, so if people are talking about, you know, they want to get to a certain place in their career and we can't offer what they need to get there. For instance, they need to go be in Europe. Well, we don't have a European office, you know, or they, they want to do something else. Then, you know, if people 
tell us what they want to do, one, we can make sure that they have are qualified to go do that. And two, we can say, let me help you go do that. Let me help you go be happy and successful somewhere else. If this isn't going to be the environment for you to succeed at right now um, or to be happy at right now. So it's very um, open and transparent that way. Of course, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never happy when someone wants to leave. At the same time, I don't ever, I never counter because that means, you know, they're already out the door. Um, and third, I try to do as much and we all try to do as much to help that person succeed in the next place. And then I say, you can always come back. And then um, many people do. And I can hear in what you're describing also that you may not experience the transition pains of an employee's departure as much as other organizations who don't have these conversations and you have to then develop a transition plan when the person may not be around for that long. In this case, you, you actually then can have conversations about what are the ways that you can exit in a really positive way. So important to exit well, right? It's so important to exit well so that you don't leave anything hanging. Um, you know, the, always jo- the joke is always has always been, right? As soon as you leave, it's all your fault, right? And we work really hard at um, helping people leave so it's not something, if something uh, drops, it's not the p- person who left's fault. Um, because one, you, you know, leaving well is important for your total career, right? Because other people are leaving too. And who knows where those people are going to be. They're going to be a client. They're going to be a, a partner another time. They're going to be another employee, whatever. So the um, leaving well is a career advance. It's a, it's a career advancement strategy. Um, for us, when we lose somebody, it doesn't happen very often. We keep, because we have this point of view, we actually keep people much longer. Our turnover rate for people in the millennial generation, so 36 years and 22 to 36 years old, is very low, really low. We're keeping people four and five years where the average in San Francisco is two and three years. But um, is to make sure that uh, we're a CC culture. We're very group oriented. There's no one's islands. The work is always shared so that it's easy to pick up um, from day to day as it is from month to month. I can see that if you're having these conversations about each employee's learning and development interests, then they constantly are having opportunities to grow. And also your organization is growing mm-hmm. because they may come up with things that are new ideas that maybe you wouldn't have put on the plate. Exactly. Well, I think one of the things I learned from my first book, Millennials and Management, was the most important thing you can do is ask for input. And I really believe that organizations need to be high input, low democracy, right? But someone's going to make a decision sometime. Um, And, but, you know, uh, everyone around us has a point of view, Right. And if we everyone has an idea on how to make it better, um, when we divorce ourselves from like having it to be my idea to having to understanding that if we all achieve better, we all it all reflects on us better, um, which is an advanced thought, I guess. Um, the um, the work is better. The input when people are able to give input um, and then you can you have much better understanding of 
um, people's strengths and weaknesses so that you can move them into places where you, you know, augment the strengths and diminish the, um, diminish those things that are not as strong because not all of us are gifted in every place. Right. And I could see how that also creates a really motivational culture. There are people, I hope so. <laughs> right, cause I you're hope also, so. You're seeing transitions as part and parcel of performance, not separate. Right? When Absolutely. employees leaving, it doesn't mean then all of a sudden they're off the plate of the organization. No, 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 no. Um, no, my whole, we have an alumni club. When people leave, they become part of the alumni club. I welcome them to. I give them something when they leave us as a welcome. Once they started their new job, you know, welcome to the alumni club. We have a private Facebook group. They get, you know, as I have a special newsletter that goes to them uh, for the company. And you know, some of the best. Company, so Microsoft has this going on. Um, McKinsey runs the gold standard of alumni clubs. And um, the thing about those is that the whole point is to keep them oriented to you so that um, you they know what's going on. They If they see an opportunity that they think, oh, yeah, you know, double 40 would be great for this. Or... When the maybe there's an opening that comes up and I put it out into the alumni group and I say, we're looking for this kind of person. Does anybody know anybody? Well, several times it's happened that people who used to be with us, you know, a few years later have new skills or like, you know, I, can, I want to do that. I'm good for that now. So if you treat it like an alumni club when they leave you, you know, um, and you keep relationship with them over time, you help them, they help you, you inform them, they inform you. It's just a good relationship. Um, That's only an advantage in terms of um, time, effort, and efficiency. So that, that sounds really interesting that you not only get referrals, but also your former employees have had a chance to increase their knowledge base and their skill sets and their perspective. And then they're coming back to you in a renewed way and maybe able to even give more than they did before. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we've never had someone come back who didn't bring something new with them. Right. Um, That's also very important. You don't want them to come back to you like and slide right into their old job. Um, that's very that would um, that doesn't honor the work that they've done going forward, and doesn't also, also honor the changes that you've made in the company. You know, if a company is a combination of who's there plus a mission, then as soon as you change a person and don't change the mission, there still is a difference in in what is. So, when you bring someone back to your company who's worked with you before. You know, what has changed? What, how is the company different? Who's the team? How is it different? What are the different dynamics? And then also for that person, what do they know now? What are they, what strengths do they bring to the table now? What skills can they share um, from their experience away from you that brings, that augments your own thing? So uh, really taking the time to not just slide someone back in where they were, but to take a familiar person um, join a familiar team and uh, make the the output even better because of that added experience. Have you ever found that a former employee came back and it turned out that with the changes that happened within your organization and also the changes that happened with them, that they were no longer a fit for the culture? Um, we've had people, no, no. Um, people we've brought back. We haven't brought everybody back. 
who wanted to come back or and everyone we wanted to have come back hasn't come back, right? So um, you have to be as diligent about uh, any employee uh, or any prospective employee, whether or not they've been with you before. Does it make sense for them to come back? Um, would they, would it, you know, have they moved forward um, as the company has moved forward? You know, are they ready to... You know, do, are they just nostalgic for how it used to be, right? So uh, it hasn't always worked out that um, a person has returned, but everyone who has returned has um, has fit right back into the culture. So it makes sense because you're still going through a screening process. Oh, yeah. You can't, I mean, nothing – yeah, it's a shortened screening process because we don't have to get to know them, right? But it has a different set of filters than a person we don't know. And do you find that the reintegration process is different than if you're hiring a new employee in, just in terms of ease? Yes. So, one, we have to make sure, one, that people understand the culture. So, we have things in our culture, like every company does, that people don't talk about, right? You know, for instance, when we order pizza, we always have to order pizza without olives because I don't like olives. <laughs> and it's like this funny thing in the office, like, make sure there's a pizza without any olives. Lee hates <laughs> olives. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So there's stuff that people know, right, that because they were there, it, it's not a policy to get a pizza without an olive. It's just something to know, right? Um, so that makes it easier. You do have to be – I think, though, the things that new employees coming into organizations expect because it's all new, right? Sometimes it's easier to have a new person um, treating an, a former employee who returns to you very um, discreetly to make sure that they know, like, this is a new policy. This is a new policy. Uh, here are new people. Here's who's been promoted since you've been gone. Here's who's working with, you know, who's on different teams, you know, just making sure that they understand what they left is not what they're returning to and being very specific about it. We did make a couple of mistakes when we first started, re, um, you know, my company's 15 years old now. Over 15 years, we've rehired over, I guess, 14, 13 people. Um which we're a company of 30 people, so that's a pretty high number. Um, the first few, we did make a, f- a couple mistakes. I'm like, oh, they'll understand. And I'm like, wait, 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 we have a new healthcare, or this person got promoted, or you know, that person slid over to this team. So now we do a much better job at um, what has changed since you left, what's the same and what has changed, so that the new people um, would not have to go through. Right, so that's another way of setting people up for success. Exactly. Okay, that's a good record. We're going to talk more about this, but I just want to say almost one new hire, rehire actually, a year you've averaged, right? Been around for 15 uh, years and, well, we and didn't re- yeah. rehired 12 guess. or 13 people? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to Queer Commercial and we're going to go more into the boomerang principle when we return lee will talk about how you can combine the power of a personal brand with a talent brand in order to attract retain and reinvest in the best people for your business we'll share more about this in less than two so stay with us Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? 
If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hemda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan by contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by Lee Carraher, the founder and CEO of Double Forte, a PR and social media agency. We've been talking about Lee's most recent book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. Lee spoke about the strategic advantage of creating a work culture where former employees who have been successful with your company are encouraged to come back. In this segment, we'll discuss the strategy of combining a clear personal brand with a talent brand. So Lee, I know that Many of us are familiar with personal brands, uh-huh. and I would guess that not as many are familiar with talent brands, so it would be <laughs> wonderful if you can tell us what that is about. Sure. So the personal brand, which really came about when, um, with the internet, when we all could have our own identities um, that were professional, um, clear and distinct from our companies, um, is something that people are understanding more and more and cultivating, right? You, um, The resume is not the only thing that a personal brand is. It used to be whatever your personal brand was, was your resume. Now it's also um, LinkedIn and what do you do on social media? And are you a speaker? And, you know, do people know it's what people say about you when you're not there um, and how you project that into the world. A talent brand is the company version of that. And um, for a long, long time, we have been uh, very focused on being a great place to work, right? Being a great place to work. And the evolution of the personal brand, which is really uh, more about me and where, what uh, brands do I have on my resume than it is about a company that I work for over time, then um, we are really at the moment of time where we're moving from being a great place to work for to being a great place where being a place where great people work at. 
So people with very strong personal brands who could choose to work anywhere, when you get a combination of all those people in one place, you have a strong talent brand, um, a company that attracts great people who have choices in their career. The stronger you are, um, the more able you are to attract great people who have strong personal brands, the stronger talent brand you have. Um, And this is particularly true at this moment in time and going forward as we think about just the total changing in dynamics in the workplace. So we have people who are moving on two and three and four years instead of five and 10 and 15 years. Um, We have uh, companies that are having full-time employees and they have contract employees. We have companies that are, are the sharing economy or what they call a sharing economy where I own my car, I drive for Lyft, the company is Lyft, but the drivers who are actually delivering the service aren't employees. I mean, everything is sort of topsy-turvy in terms of blowing up what is the traditional worker-employer relationship. Over time, the most important thing is getting the best talent into your company. There's not enough best talent. Uh, we know that, uh, particularly in engineering. Uh, we know this. Um, there are not enough people who are getting engineering and, and being able to code and STEAM and STEM degrees in this country to fill the jobs that we have in this country. So keeping those people or being a place where those great people will go is critical to the company's um, mission and being able to deliver on the company's promise. So today we, we now have to be moving towards, um, instead of being a great place to work, being a great place where great people work, which by definition means you're a great place to work, right? But instead of folk being, being able to attract people with great personal brands, um, now is tantamount to actually uh, making a company's goals. And that's referring to then attracting people who have a high level of knowledge and skill mm-hmm. that's related to the work that you do? Yes. So um, you could think about a person, you know, a person with a great personal brand um, is always changing, always evolving. Over time, your brand may, um, you would add credentialing to your brand, but your brand may stand for excellent work, great teamwork. Um, you might be a great uh, individual contributor or a great manager, whatever your brand stands for. Um, and then over time, you're adding um, skills to that brand, right? Who knows how to do X and Y and Z. Um, great talent brands are places where people can go and del- and move forward on their personal brand. So they go into a company, they have a goal, a career goal, and within that time, their tenure at that company, they can add to their personal brand. So um, it's sort of an inverse relationship where I want to go to you know, Joe's Donuts, because Joe's Donuts, they have the highest standard in donuts, and I want to be at the highest standard of donut making. Um, And then I come out of it knowing the highest standard of um, donut making to go to someplace else. It's a very different um, sort of an inside out uh, point of view on how to create culture, Uh, creating culture where people are collaborative at the same time as they're working on their own um, careers and having the responsibility of the career development be shared, one, from the employee who says, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and two, from the company who says, here's our standard of work. It's very high. 
We are invested in you. We are going to spend our time instead of, you know, worrying about making this, you know, green your own pasture, which we're going to talk about next, um, so that people who have great, you know, who are great skills want to stay in those places. A good example of a great talent brand is Netflix. Netflix is, is um, I guess, notorious or famous, depending on your point of view, for being a great place to be from. They don't hire very many young people. They hire fully, they call them fully formed adults. And if you have worked at Netflix, you could get a job anywhere. They are good at pruning people out when they know young, when that function is no longer useful. Um, because they're they're evolving so quickly, but if you have worked at Netflix, you're pretty much going to get a job anywhere because you have passed their very high standard of getting in. You've stayed there for a while, you've learned something, and then you've left. So a talent brand being a great place to be from only enhances a person a, a person's or employee's personal brand. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> so so let's see if I got this. So a company that would have a strong talent brand offers an environment where people can come and not only stay relevant in the nature of the work that you do, but also really cultivate their expertise to be able to be at the top of their field, to be able to be at their best. Excellent. Perfect. You said it very well. You said it much better than I did. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So that's really interesting. And how, and because it, it brings to mind what you were saying about the environment that you create within your own organization and how that's so motivating for people. Not, not just do they have the opportunity to express a personal brand, they also have an opportunity to expand on it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, um, ju- and, you know, I think for entrepreneurs and for leaders, you know, we have to be lifelong learners. People who are managing people, people who are thinking, you know, running businesses, running P&Ls, our world is changing so fast. If we're not lifetime learners, learning all the time, you know, we're not going to be relevant very fast. Very quickly, we're going to be irrelevant, right? Because things are changing so quickly. Um, And part of that lifelong learning is creating environments where other people can learn too and master craft, master their craft. That's, that's also evolving. It's an incredible time of dynamic um, skill evolution across the board, across the board from managing to uh, engineering, you know, used to be very sequential. Now it's very sprint. Like, I mean, there's all these different things happening. Um, And if you, if you're going to have a future, if your company's going to have a future, you have to be in a place where you're allowing people to master relevant skills all the time because those relevant skills are making your company valuable. And you're giving each employee also the chance to contribute at a higher level, to con- mm-hmm. the chance to contribute more of themselves. Exactly. Which most people want. You know, we spend more time at work than we do at home often, right? Um, or working than doing not work, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, my premise is people want, A, people like to work if it's good, right? And B, people want to do a good job. And C, who wants to be irrelevant? Nobody. So um, when you can combine those three things, um, you know, most people, That's and I really do mean most people, right? Um, most people are highly motivated by that, if they're high performers or not. 
Lee, how do you work with organizations to create a strong talent brand? What, what do you find are the core areas where a lot of companies need help? Well, the first thing they have to do is not worry about people leaving. You know, <laughs> they just got to get over that. You're not dead to me. <clears throat> you know, this whole you're dead to me concept really has to go. The second piece um, is about um, teams, creating teams. It's more, much more like an athletic team. It's like a baseball team or a football team or a softball team, whichever, which constantly is moving players around, trading team. You know, you can't actually do this in business, trade people, trade um, trade employees, you know, or collude to not hire people from other companies. But in sports, you know, you're trading pitchers for catchers and first basemen for shortstops and all that kind of stuff for picks. Um, and if you have that best team approach, you know, sort of like what um, – is in Good to Great, Jim Collins' book, around you know getting the best people on and moving them around the bus, right? The bus theory. Same I was just thinking of, about that. Yeah, an, same initiative. kind of theory. Yeah, it's the same kind of theory that is the team theory, which is, I, you know what? Maybe you'd be better first baseman than a catcher because you don't want to have those guys kneel down all the time, you know? So it's that kind of thing <clears throat> that evolves over time. So one, you have to have that, you know, not having people be static, um, if people are static, your company is static, uh, which is a new concept. It's a relatively new concept. It makes sense that if you're worried about losing people, then you can inhibit their growth. Exactly. If you worry, here's what I have found. If you're worried about losing people, your energy goes to protecting yourself, right? Just ugh, not putting any energy out there into the people you think are going to leave you. If you stop worrying about leave, you know, people leaving you, you put energy into making the work good, which has the opposite approach, opposite um, impact, which is people are, get excited about the work and people stay longer. And you're also talking about talent utilization. Mm-hmm. And that's the other piece, right? So I could get bored. I'm lucky. Uh, I own my own company. I mm-hmm. created the company to suit my strengths. Um, but I've had to evolve and learn over time um, to change over time um, as the strengths that I have um, uh, also got different from when I started the company to now, 15 years later. Thank God I'm not the same person I was then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and um, if talent... I'm more interested in one thing. Like I never thought I was going to write a book. And now I've written two. Well, I did it on, I did it while I was the CEO of a company. So that company allowed me to, to pursue this idea of sharing what I've learned the hard way. So other people don't have to learn it the hard way. Um, and then other people in the company, in my own little company have gifts or they've become interested in something. And then they've been able to add it to this, add it to what they do every day. And then if we can't have them add it to what we do every day and they really get a passion for doing, you know, something, um, what's a good example? We have a person, um, an executive assistant in my office who is an artist and she was not very confident of her art and she went back to school on her own dime. She didn't even tell us she was doing this. And um, all of a sudden she's doing graphic design for us. Well, now she's a graphic designer, not an executive assistant. Um, and sometimes she does both of those things depending on the day because we're a small company. But um, had she told us, we would have 
we would have found those classes for her. In the end, we reimbursed her for the classes that she did well in so that because it benefited the company. So there's no reason that people shouldn't be able to um, evolve over time, become different people over time in a company if the company, you know, is, is predisposed to be thinking about it that way. You're constantly then staying connected with the growth path of the, the person and how that matches up with the growth path of your company. You know, it is uh, time-consuming. It is very time-consuming. However, um, it, it pays off in dividends. It pays off. Every time you have kept somebody in your company, made them, um, helped them be more valuable by getting better at a skill or adding skills or, or whatever, right? If you keep them one more year, you've saved um, two times that person's salary. Um, you've stabilized your company. Everyone expects people to leave over time, but you know, having constant churn is so disruptive that um, it is not conducive to profit at all. Um, you know, at all in the sinking in a you know in a knowledge worker organization. Another tip that I was hearing in what you were sharing also is as the leader of an organization as a CEO or another high-level person, that you need to be able to model what it is that you want to create. And mm-hmm. so what I was hearing in, in your words is that you have a very expansive perspective on yourself and your own capabilities. As an example, writing the books that you didn't necessarily envision in earlier years. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're able then to pass that on to your employees where you yeah. can engage your strengths and at the same time, you're willing to take steps to go further. Well, personally, I am. I think, and I think most of the leaders that I know um, are insatiable learners. The, um, I think leadership is also changing a lot. Uh, the def, you know, leadership in this political environment that we're, we find ourselves in in 2017 has taken on a whole other set of uh, characteristics. Um, and it's interesting to see how companies are reacting or responding to either favorably or unfavorably to different executive actions in the last 12 years, you know, in the last two administrations and now this third, you know, this administration. Um, and, and it looks, you know, it feels very much like um, leadership, being a leader of a company now is pushing you into the position of stating your political goals as well and people are looking to the leader always to know what to do like how do I they look to leaders to say how should I act in this situation I guess here's a good example around this one topic you know um, I had a person who no longer is at the company but was at the company for several years and he said to me you know I'm getting recruited right Um, because he wasn't happy with the accounts that he was on and it was we were it was we couldn't move them off very quickly. You know, we didn't have as much flexibility as we wanted at that time. He goes, you know, I could just leave. I'm like, yeah, of course you could just leave. Or you could stay and we could figure it out, you know. He goes, well, you know, I'm getting recruited, right? And I said to him, I said, I assume you're getting recruited. If I don't have people who are getting recruited, I don't got a company. So (laughs) I can't worry about you being recruited. Uh, Of course you're being recruited. I'm doing a good job, you know. (laughs) So... Um, 
so that you know that sort of put him back. He's like, you don't care I'm being recruited. I'm like, yes, I care you're being recruited. I don't want you to be recruited. I don't want people leaving. But what I don't, you know, what I want and what I can have are two different things. And I'm relative, you know, I've learned, I've learned the hard way that when you hold on to people too tight, that your business diminishes and your relationship diminishes. And they, there's no, re- if you hang on to them tight, they want to go faster. If you, if you are confident in your organization and um, provide opportunity for them to pursue what they want to pursue, then um, people stay longer. You want to make sure that there's a fit and, and that changes yeah. with time. You don't want to force it. Oh my gosh. Fit totally changes with time. You know, someone who is um, eager and excited at 25 is, you know, may not be that person at 32. Someone who um, was a go-getter and you know, fast on the track. And then at 30, their father got sick and they were going to take care of their dad. And, you know, um, put a stall on their career career growth rate so that they could take care of their father. That doesn't mean they're less valuable. That just means they have a different experience and a different uh, priority. As long as they're producing, that's fine, right? So, um, or someone gets to a you know, certain place and we're too small for them. The co-founder of my company, Dan Stevens, um, he left the company several years ago many years ago now, we're still great friends. And because we were too small for what he wanted to do, he learned everything he possibly could at being at uh, Double Forte and it wasn't big enough for him. So of course, you know, he needed to get in a bigger place or we needed to grow. Well, I wasn't willing to grow to the place where he wanted to grow, you know, the, the, the size of a business he wanted to run. So of course he had to leave in order to, you know, to get there so you can you know when when the day you hire someone that person is not going to be the same the day they leave you either you have them leave or they leave you or you mutually agree um it's not a constant and i think the um the constant is change which we talk about a lot but it's it's people we're talking about people come to work people change over time people go through life life changing things people are sick or not or or happy or sad or getting married or getting divorced and all those kinds of things and how you um, put together teams and environments where people can uh, thrive throughout those different changes in their lives, you know, really predicates on how well your company will do over time. So this is an amazing lead in to our, our final segment about greening your own pastures. And we're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, Lee will share some additional pointers on how you can green your own pastures to make your company a place that leaves employees feeling proud, regardless of whether they stay or go. Stay tuned for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. 
Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hamda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan by contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by CEO, entrepreneur, and marketing strategist, Lee Carraher. Lee is the author of The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees. She described what it means to establish a talent brand that goes hand-in-hand with your company's personal brand. In this final segment, we'll focus on how your organization can green its own pastures, as Lee puts it, to become (laughs) the best place it can be, particularly for your employees. So, Lee, you gave us really amazing lead-in into this. And what more can you say in terms of the suggestions that you offer to your clients on how they can green their own pastures? Sure. Well, first, because I'm so excited to come back to your show, Hamda, because of the green your pastures thing, which I know is your strength and your mantra. And I was like, oh, I need to talk to Hamda again. <laughs> that's, that's my theme, absolutely. Make the grass greener where you are. Um. And this is, you know, this is a mature point of view, and we just have to get more mature, more faster. That's all, we just have to, right? Um, so the first thing about greening your own pastor is not worrying about anybody else. Worry about your own company. Worry about do your employees know why they're there? Do they understand what your mission is? Do they contribute to the values of the company? Are there values that people can identify, that people live by, and that the company is making decisions by every day? If you don't have that vision and mission and, and values, stop right now and make sure you get one. Um, and um, there's lots of resources in my both of my books, actually, about how to do that. Um, if your people don't understand what role they have on a team, stop right now and make sure everyone understands their role. A lot of the time you'll hear from particularly younger people that, you know, their work doesn't matter, that they're low man on the totem pole, blah, blah, blah. And you really have to make sure everyone understands that no one hires somebody for a job that doesn't have to get done. If you hire someone, that job has to get done, right? And if um, if we all don't do our jobs, then the other person can't do their job. It's very, you know, 
for those of you out there who are um, New England Patriot fans, you know, do your job is <laughs> the thing, right? So um, when we stop worrying about other companies and just worry about ourselves and just focus on making our small space, it could be five people, it could be 50,000 people, it's still a small space in, you know, in, in contrast to the world, our space the best it can be. That's the first thing. Put the energy in your own place and not, about, not against somebody else. Um, the, the second thing on greening your own pastures, uh, a green pasture is someplace where people want to be. People want to go to that green pastures. They want to go and lie down or they want to eat the grass or they want to roll in the you know meadow, whatever it is, right? And a, a place where people want to be is where employee. we talked about this a little bit, where employees can achieve their own goals, Right, so you're hiring well. You're hiring people who have good fit, who have skills that you need to achieve your goals, whose um, whose skills um, trajectory might is something that you would, you know, if you make if you help them be more valuable, they become more valuable to your company. Your company becomes more valuable. You know, when you can do these kinds of things, that is greening your own pasture by paying attention to other people. Um, I said before, you know, this guy was like, don't you care that I'm being, um, being, uh, recruited, recruited. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Of course you're being recruited that, because, mm-hmm. because you're, I'm doing a good job. I'm, you know, this is a great company to be at. Of course you're being recruited. The other piece of that is when people say, aren't you going to counter me? I'm like, no, I'm not going to counter you. I'm already putting all my effort here. You already have half your effort out there. Why am I going to throw more money against someone who's already got their half their you know half their body out the door? You know, focusing on the people who can um, who are invested um, in their space, right? It doesn't mean you're not listening if things aren't going well. It doesn't mean you're constantly not thinking, oh, how can I make it better? Or what are the imp- you know what are suggestions that people have? But to really put your effort on the people and the environment that you're in, as long as you're um, achieving your business goals. I think, go ahead. I was going to say that I think I can see why strategist is an important word that you use to describe Mm -hmm. what you do, your work, (laughs) right? Because you were saying that it takes a lot of effort when you describe the kind of investment that you're making. And I could see the importance of your clients utilizing your services because you offer these pointers and then the implementation though is, is not necessarily such an easy process. You need a lot of enforcement in terms of mm-hmm. putting the structures in place to actually practice all of this. You do. And you ha- you know, there's this, that means you have very self-aware people, right? Uh, the more we can help people be self-aware uh, in our companies, the better our people can work together and achieve their goals. So, for instance, you know, um, working with Strength Finders or DISC or the Enneagram or MBTI, all of these things um, that help people understand their own strengths and their own tendencies better so that they can uh, work together better is critical. Learning how to um, um, resolve conflict in a in a timely, qu- quick don't let things um, don't th- let things fester um, and respectful way that moves things forward. These are skills that people probably do not show up in your workplace knowing how to do. Making sure people know how to do these things so that you can 
reduce the drama, reduce the reduce the inefficiency of um, what people naturally bring to the table, um, so they can resolve conflict and move forward because they know themselves better. All of this is work to do, but if you invest the time, one, you figure out who doesn't fit, right? Someone just doesn't want to pick up the trash, even though everyone has to pick up a trash once a week. Someone doesn't want to, wants to focus just on themselves and your team is going to focus on something totally different. Well, then you have to help them leave. The most loyal thing a person can do for you is tell you that they have to leave because their heart's not in their, you know, their heart and their soul is not in your company right now. That's the most loyal thing someone can do for you because they realize that they don't fit right now. It doesn't mean they might not fit later it doesn't mean they didn't fit for the first year or two but right this moment they don't fit so they have to go do something else Um, that is not an indictment on anybody that's just a situation and when we can get to the evolution of understanding ourselves investing in what you believe in and what your business is and not just chasing you know just chasing what you think is someone else is doing you know this is evolution this is relatively a mature business structure Um, the more mature we are in our structure the better it is I love how you frame that as loyalty. An employee yeah. telling you that their heart's not in it, you know, their energy has shifted someplace else because there can be so much guilt and discomfort around having those right. conversations, right? People sometimes feel like they failed in some well, way. Exactly. When instead of instead well, first of all, if your heart's not in it and you're not you know not you're showing up but you're not showing up, everybody's noticing. Right. If, if you think you're getting someone over on somebody, you're not. Right? Mm. <laughs> so being self-aware about that and having these open conversations about, you know, constant conversations. And I don't mean it every single day, but on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis with people, you know, where are you on your trajectory that you want to do? Are there opportunities that you want to learn? What do you have to do to be able to get that? Um, but being tuned into, um, you know, your being tuned into yourself, self-reflection, because self-reflection is part of every review process, um, and what you want to do, and any of these tools that we can bring to help people get along better, help people understand better, do better team building, you know, also runs the risk of having people identify that they don't want to be there anymore, <laughs> which is worth the risk, right? I My first professional coach was paid for by a former employer who basically this coach coached me out of the company. <laughs> and that was not the goal. The goal was she, um, at that company, we the five of us who were on the leadership team all got a personal coach and we all left. Um, that was not the goal of getting the coaches, right? The goal of getting the coaches was we'd all become um, a better cohesive team. And in the end, we all got coached out of the company because the CEO wasn't going to change um, the way that that person operated, uh, regardless of how much we tried. So putting effort into putting effort into helping people understand who they are and understanding where they're resources are and then helping people uh, then try to make a contribution to a company those are the pieces if you're not willing to actually listen and adjust well then you have people walking out the door Um, but that you know that's not normal that is not a normal action the truth is the truth right whether you acknowledge it or not so it seems that you're suggesting to have a really proactive approach gather the data Keep your pulse on what's going on within each person, within your organization, so that you can make 
solid decisions. Yeah. And I think that, um, and ask, right? And sometimes people don't know. Like, what do you want to do in five years? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to be out of school. I want to be out of school debt. I'm like, okay. What does that look like? You know, are you willing, you know, then we can do those kinds of things. In fact, these are some of the, the classes that that companies are bringing in for their younger um, younger employees or some of these adulting skills, life skills, things that people are not learning in college, didn't learn at home, but um, need to learn in order to cope. And um, the more you can sort of bring these things that people need, the better it is. Right. In a way, you're creating a more even playing field, it seems, because yeah. you're ensuring that everyone has the skill sets that they need in order to communicate effectively work effectively together, and then also realize where they're at and when they need to make a transition. Well, I think you just nailed it. I mean, I think you have to meet people where they are. And, you know, ideally, everyone would be at the same place, right? Everyone would be self-aware and self-assured and on the right track. And that just isn't life. And that just isn't business. Um, You know, everybody needs to work on something. Every single person needs to work on something. And the more you... um, are transparent with what you are good at and what your strengths are and what where your buttons are and where you should walk away and where you should like dig in, you know, um, the better it is. Something we do in my company is we everyone we produce a, a profile sheet for everybody, which is the Strength Finders uh, results, uh, MBTI results, um, some self. Um, self-reflection pictures and that kind of stuff. And then everybody has that as a profile for every person on the team. So we know who's an extrovert, who's an introvert, who needs more time to think, who needs less time to think, who has strength in woo, who has strength in strategy. And um, when you know types, you can know under stress, this person will look like nothing matters to them when in fact they're roiling inside. I am not that person. So my office manager is a person, um, and I'm going to forget. I think she's an ISTJ. I think that's what she is. I'm an ENFP. I'm her opposite. My office manager is my opposite. So when things are hitting the fan, we have a lot going on. Things are moving around, you know, blah, blah, blah. She looks like she could care less. I'm like, can I get a little reaction out of you? (laughs) But we know this about each other. So now she just calls me. She goes, you're just being an ENFP, Lee. I'm being an ISTJ. You got to like, you know, I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Because the feedback that we all need. I love this very encouraging and refreshing perspective that you're bringing in all of these strategies. And Lee, I want to encourage everyone to tap into these amazing resources that you're offering you can learn more about Lee's PR and social media agency, Double Forte, by going to double-forte.com. And we didn't talk about the handy guide that she offers oh, on right. manner, manners that matter, matter at work. You're going to have to come back because there's so much for us to talk about. <laughs> so this guide is called Everything Speaks. And it's an amazing guide of do's and don'ts, many do's and don'ts related to manners in the workplace. And you can get a copy at everything-speaks with, the, with an S at the end.com. Last and not least, I, I'm encouraging you to read Lee's books. You've gotten a great appetizer today. The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifetime Loyalty from Your Employees and Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. Both books are available through Amazon, and you can also get the most current updates on Lee's work by following her on Twitter 
at Lee Carraher, that's L-E-E, and last name Carraher, C-A-R-A-H-E-R. If you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I'd love for you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. As we discussed, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.